restaurants close and people forever think it's you know a failure that a restaurant has to close like people just think restaurants will go on forever um, but they don't and to be like you said I had hands sort of forced to make that tough decision and when I realized that it was not worth the business continuing to lie in somebody else's pockets I felt a lot better this is the deep in the weeds podcast I'm Anthony Huckstep With slim margins and long hours, most in the industry fight their entire careers to hold onto their restaurants. Some say surviving 10 years is a rarity, while others say all good things must come to an end and restaurants, no matter how good, shouldn't be forever. Making the decision to close a successful restaurant is never an easy thing to do, and neither is opening a new restaurant especially in a pandemic. Carl Furler is the co-owner of Restaurant Leo in the CBD of Sydney. Carl, how are you going, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Thanks for the invitation and, uh, and allowing me to speak uh, of uh, my experiences. Oh, it's good to have you, mate. You've had a hell of a year. You uh, closed one of uh, Sydney's most famous restaurants and opened a new one during the pandemic. What's what's the last year been like for you? Uh, I tell you, it was uh, definitely the the picture I had drawn myself. It wasn't quite um, what I've had to uh, role play through in the last six months. That's for sure. Um, but nonetheless, look, it's it is what it is. It's uh, it was the end of uh, a wonderful experience in Australia Street in Newtown and um, building a platform which I was extremely proud of and, and very lucky to have continued for so long and. Uh, now I'm in the next challenge, which is, uh, yeah, trying to uh, stay in front of uh, in front of the oncoming tsunami of um, changes that I see every single day in this business. We'll get to uh, Restaurant Leo uh, in a little while, which you opened during the pandemic, but you closed Oscillate Wildly, which is, you know, one of Sydney's most famous restaurants where you won many awards. Uh, what was the reason behind that? Uh, look, Oscillate, after uh, yeah, after a lengthy, I think, tells their 10 years, and it was an established uh, platform before I got in the business. Um, but, yeah, we when I when I walked in and took over, we, uh, we flicked over to a, a degustation platform only. Um, look, it, it was a great 10-year experience. It was, uh, it was owned by an, an older gentleman who was actually a, a, one of the judges from across the road at, uh, on Australia Street at the Newtown Courts. And um, it became a, uh, became a very much a gentleman's handshake agreement, although there was a lease component involved. Um, but it was uh, one of those spaces where, for the period of my time there of 10 years, um, I've rarely spoke to the uh, the landlord other than to say hello when I saw him. Unfortunately, he um, he passed away, and the building which he owned, uh, not only Oscillate, the adjoining uh, businesses, we'd all had a lease that was teed up um, just through his structure, um, all falling in at the same time. So when he unfortunately passed away, um, his uh, his buildings, not only that one but others, were handed over to a uh, a law firm to manage uh, for beneficiaries and. Uh, yeah, we were all very unaware of this until uh, we received a uh, we received contact and um, from the law firm and were handed a uh, new lease contract with short term and a very steep increase in uh, 
in rental returns and they didn't really care to worry about what business we were and how long we'd been there and what we're doing. Uh, it came down to them to a dollar amount only. So I had to make a very, very tough decision. Um, probably the hardest thing I've had to decide on was uh, to either continue and change the product that I'd worked so hard to achieve and, and was comfortable with um, or leave it and go rather than line somebody else's pockets. So at the end of the day, it's like you said, all, all good things come to an end. So I was extremely fortunate to have amazing staff and amazing time, amazing product. Um, and then, you know, like uh, it was just one of those things. I had to make a decision and my decision was it's sometimes business is not worth that. It's just not worth pushing the business to something else that you don't want it to be for somebody else. So I decided it was time to finish. Well, Oscillate wildly you know, has an amazing legacy. There's some extraordinary chefs worked in that kitchen and Dan Puskas was there before you took over and then you've had so many amazing chefs work under you there. Who, who are some of the chefs that have been through that kitchen and, and, and how did it change over that 10 years? Yeah, look, it, it changed a lot. From day one, we were, I think, I don't think I remember this vividly, but the, uh, one of the first lines in the first review was, that we're the, there was only two of us in Australia as a fine dining, dinner-only slash degustation-only platform. It was us and Tetsuya. And I, th I think I was pretty crazy and wasn't quite... I didn't quite realise what I was doing when I did it, that we were going to just do that. I was like, it's, it can't be that hard. It's got to be uh, It's got to be easier to do this than it does to be doing an a la carte platform with an option as a tasting menu. Like, let's just do it. So... It, it was a pretty tough start because the comparison was straight away that and you're going up against somebody who's, you know, with international status and an amazing product and had had built his his name and, and his, his platform around that as a product and then for some unknown kid to walk into Sydney from outside and try and chuck that into Newtown, it was a, it was a risk. <laughs> it was a risk to say the least. But look, it was it's got to be something you enjoy doing like I have not regretted going to work a single day that I've been working for the last how many I don't even know how many years I've been cooking now a while 20 odd years like I love going to work I just love it so if I was going to do my own thing it had to be something I love doing and, and that's what it was and I was lucky uh, look it was luck yeah of course there's always got to be some component of luck but the people that wanted to come and work and try and help me create what became Oscillate from day one to the last day you know I had Dan Pepperell came at the very beginning I had him as uh as my sous chef you know he started at day one with me and, and I had other people um you know that had, had have been in and out of that business and in and out of the trade you know um there was a lot of people who came at that very beginning who chose to leave the industry after I think I lost three people in the first first 12 months who decided that they were going to get out get out of the industry after coming and I had to go home and my wife said to me she said what are you like what are you doing to people you if they're leaving the industry you've got to be doing something wrong and I was sitting there scratching my head thinking um, what am I doing wrong but uh it is I think it's just that push and search to to make everything better every day that not everybody's up for you know and and, and that is something that I try and do every day is go in, work out what I did wrong yesterday or how I can better whatever I did yesterday. And sometimes that means turning everything up on its head. So it's just, uh, it's kind of how I work. 
Uh, but yeah, I was very fortunate. I've had great staff at the front of house. You know, I had uh, Gerald Ryan who who worked, um, who, who came from Bray, who, who also worked for Dan at uh, Royal Mail. I had um, I had people from overseas who worked for us and, and back overseas. I had, yeah, I was very very fortunate to have amazing people help me build what was an amazing platform. It was a very small restaurant and a, an even smaller kitchen. What, what was it like running such a small venue and trying to turn a profit? Oh, yeah, that's look. This industry, as everybody knows, it's uh, it's super slim. Like the margins are small. But um, I think when when we went in there, look, you can't. You'd never go into a business of that size with that business model and expect to turn huge profits. I think what we tried to do was just be competitive in what we do as, a, as an advancement in the industry and if that meant we had to spend money on things that didn't generate an income it didn't matter it was about just getting better it was about getting better and better making sure that it was extremely fair across the board I was very open with everybody about allowing them to see what was coming in what was going out and you know there's no money lining my pockets it's just about building a better product so look it, it was yeah by no means easy um, and you dip into your pocket more often than not. But um, well, at the end of the day, like I said, I, I had 10 years there where I didn't regret a day going in, so that far outweighs the money for me. You have a, an amazingly deft touch and um, cook just absolutely beautiful food. How, how would you describe the sort of food you were doing at Oscillate? Yeah, I'll go back. My brother, <laughs> if I don't mention him, he'll... Uh, he should, he'll cut my legs off. He's like, <laughs> I swear, he's probably better than me. He's, um, yeah, look, I think, and um, yeah, I think the product that we did at Oscillate was something that, um, that, that tasting platform, for me, when you, when you have an operation that is, you know, you're expecting people to come in. They don't have a choice. They're told what they're going to they're gonna do as far as you're, you're going to come for dinner only. You're going to sit in a small group and we're not going to give you any understanding as to what you're having for dinner from start to finish until it's in front of you. So I think with that, you know, the trust that comes from the guest, you really need to make sure that the product you put out is super tuned. Like it's the progression from start to finish for me needs to be a, a beautiful flow. There needs to be, you know, there needs to be from every course something that just doesn't necessarily need to be a flavor, a flavor profile. It doesn't need to be an ingredient. It doesn't need to be anything aesthetic. It just needs to be something there that helps link one to the next, and and it just becomes a beautiful progression from start to finish. And I, I think I don't know. That's just that's how I think I found myself thinking. And I think it comes most certainly from training and, and from people that I worked with in the past. Um, but it's the way that I think. For that platform, you really need to make sure that you're completely across the board on if you're wanting to give an experience like what we were giving. I've eaten at Oscillate many times, as you know, and um, you are a real perfectionist when it comes to the plate. Is there any dish or other dishes that you feel like you really nailed? Oh, um, and, and you know, that changed in the 10 years we were there. Um, that came with... Came with... I think obviously from start, starting on a, a lower budget and having less to put out, and then we we had to think more about you know um, 
as you see now, people using different forms of transferring the food as a vessel from the kitchen to the table. So with, with that, the way things worked at Oscillate and the way I sort of built the, the menu through the, the times uh, of the year, some things would come where I would be at the markets and I'd see a product and I'd be like, oh, my God, I've got to work out how I get that somewhere in the menu. Other times I was out in the middle of nowhere and I'd see somebody had made a, you know, there'd be a stack of plates or a, or a bowl or something and, and, and I'd, I'd just pick them up and I'd be like, I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but they're going in the cupboard and as soon as I, it'll, it'll work itself out at some point because I've got to work out how to use them because never was there one before the other. It was always a mix match and, and you would just, sometimes you'd come up with a dish and it didn't work on a plate, so you'd leave the dish and you'd worry about it later. It would come back on the menu next season if you found something as a vessel that you were happy with but um i don't know i think you always eat with your eyes first so aesthetically it doesn't always have to be amazing i think it just needs to be a part of that transitional story through the menu per se um in that sort of an eating platform you made the tough decision or your hands were kind of forced to make a tough decision to close oscillate wildly how did you feel at that time and did you did you have a plan of what you would do next then Okay, I, one thing in business which I remember sitting down when I started Oscillate was you should always have an exit plan, and I never did. So for that reason, I, I'm guilty of not having the exit plan, which probably wouldn't have been the exit plan I would have applied anyway. Um, look, yeah, it's I, for two months. I didn't tell anybody. My wife knew, and uh, I couldn't let on to staff, but for sure, my persona in the space changed very quickly um, because of the fact that I had a huge amount of pressure as to what decision to make. I mean, it became a legal issue. We had lawyers involved because uh, I had to get to get myself out of trouble at the uh, right at the beginning. I paid, I think I paid about five months of rent straight up so that they could, like that night, so they couldn't kick me out. Um, and then I had to sit and make a decision with them pressuring us every other day. Um, but yeah, it was... Look, I wasn't ready to leave, so it was a really, really tricky thing to do. Um, but I had to sit down and weigh up. Um, and restaurants close and people forever think it's, you know, a failure that a restaurant has to close. Like, people just think restaurants will go on forever, um, but they don't. And to be, like you said, I had hands sort of forced to make that tough decision. And when I realised that it was not, worth the business continuing to lie in somebody else's pockets i felt a lot better but yeah you, you for sure you you worry about having to tell your staff like how are you going to translate that issue without you know legally getting yourself into trouble you're not allowed to badmouth anybody um so we kind of had to devise a plan to ideally put out the situation in in between the lines um but there was yeah, there's always doubt as to whether or not you have made that right decision. Are you going to be able to do something ever again? Nothing's ever going to be the same. But it was a great experience and, look, I felt a lot better after making the decision and actually releasing it that we were leaving. Um, and I feel like I made the right decision. Well, you changed our perceptions of finer dining in Australia and you ended up teaming up with a chef, Federico Zanaletto, uh, that... Uh, also changed our perceptions with Italian fine dining. Um, how, did, how did Restaurant Leo come together? So Federico was, you know, when I started 
perspective, uh, oscillate. Um, like I said, I'm not from Sydney originally, so look, I've worked in, you know, I worked at Mark, which is an amazing platform to be in. I worked uh, for the Maryvale Group for a couple of years with Pete at Est. Um, but I didn't really know the industry because I hadn't, I just came from outside. So I, I wasn't in, you know, in the circle of all these people that have been in Sydney for so long and know each other. Um, so when I started Oscillate, Federico, who's also not from Sydney, obviously, <laughs> he was one of our first guests through the door. And, and I just remember, like, he asked to come to say hello. So, you know, we, we met each other at the very beginning of that, which was his time, I think he was still at uh, Ormeggio. And um, it just, yeah, we just hit off an, an amazing friendship. You know, it was, I was very uh, humbled that somebody wanted to say hello to uh, to the kitchen and come in and, and chefs do that. That's what we do. You know, we're, we're generally, um, for the most part, pretty nice. <laughs> so um, yeah, from that we, we we struck up an amazing relationship. And then obviously Lumi is a sim was a similar platform degustation only um, to Oscillate. So we had lots of things in common, lots of things to discuss, lots of business things to to talk about and compare, and you know, just the industry in general. We have you know like obviously a lot in common with our business models there um, and we'd always toyed around with the idea of yeah we should do something together we should do something together so when when uh, when I was making the decision at, at Oscillate he was one of two people that I discussed what was happening with and um, yeah it was him and another good friend Passy Patanen and yeah it was just it was one of those things it was, it was either going to be have a break and, and do nothing at all or, or get back into a business. And uh, once you've been doing it for so long, you, you kind of, it's such an enjoyable platform. I was, I'm not going to go and work for somebody else. I've got to, got to go back into doing something myself or with somebody again. Um, and so here's Leo. Leo is the two names, Lumi and Oscillate. Uh, L and O stand for both of our business names and O is and in Italian. So it's Lumi and Oscillate as Leo. And you opened this year and uh as everyone is aware there's a there's a there's a sort of a major pandemic on what's this period been like the you know the stresses of opening a restaurant in itself are pretty big yeah <laughs> and it's been a pretty big year as well yeah so the business look we took we took over the we took over the keys in late february um for the business in the cbd and look that transition took I think we signed in December for the paperwork and then the contract of sale and all the rest of it dragged on forever and in hindsight that's been to our advantage. Um, so we didn't get keys until late February. So March we walked in the door and we started having ideas of design and all the rest of it and what we we're going to take out and what we we're going to change and how we we're going to structure all the new ways of the business. And I think within the space of two and a half weeks of having keys, the city was empty. And we were sitting there scratching our heads, thinking, "Oh my God, what are we going? What, what is happening?" <laughs> uh, we've just committed to a 250 square meter space in the heart of the CBD, and committed staff, and yeah, everything's going to go on hold. So it was it was pretty scary at the beginning. It was um, like everybody, a huge amount of unknown. Um, the things that we did know were that we had a very big lease to fill, and uh, a commitment to staff and, and a product which I think now um, we're lucky we had that. We, we, we're lucky we had a pause with everything to stop and quickly 
make some some changes and reflect on what we were going to do and what we think we're going to do moving forward. Um, but yeah, look, we're all in the same boat, so I'm 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 not so fussed at the fact that if it was only us, if we'd been turned on our head there ourselves, I would have been a little bit more worried. But uh, look, all good things come to those who wait, so I'm just going to be patiently waiting until this blows over, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep running the way we are now moving forward what is the offering at leo and can you take us through what the restaurant is yeah so look this when we when we built the plan of the restaurant and then the product that we're going to put forward there's actually in this venue three different outlets so we have the restaurant floor which internally seats 70 i think 73 um and then there's a servicing area in between that and the other end of the the the, uh, the internal component, which we have a cafe and a bakery component that also flips into an aperitivo bar come the afternoon. So there's three different business models we wanted to launch. So we rebranded one end, which is the cafe and the aperitivo bar. We called that Pico Leo. So it's a bit of a play on uh, like a piccolo, as in a small coffee. It is a small version of uh, the space as the restaurant, as far as aesthetics. Um, so we've, we've carried through uh, and changed, made changes in the restaurant as we did to the smaller component um, and that's look in total we're a 130 seat venue uh, inside and out so the offering in the restaurant is uh, is a la carte everything is done as per I would expect between the two of us done in house so we buy everything in uh, whole and make everything from scratch from pasta through to all of the seafoods being cleaned and, and stored as well as all the other proteins um, the cafe, we, we bake our own breads. We bake our own breads for the restaurant as well as the cafe. We do our own in-house pastries. So there's a, uh, a croissant program and a Danish program and uh, some other bits and pieces that come out of there as well as the aperitivo, which flips on the afternoon, which are uh, also serviced by the kitchen. We run snacks and uh, a couple of fixed plates as well as using all bits and pieces that are left over in the kitchen when we do our breakdowns um, to generate uh, a snack platform that'll change daily, weekly through the menu cycle. And uh, it's something that we put out uh, as a free offering when you sit down and you're having a drink. What's it like for you after running a tiny degustation-style restaurant for 10 years, opening a big restaurant with a la carte? Yeah, it's, you know what, it's a different bars. The city is such a... Oscillate was so controlled. You had every single second of the day accounted for. You could work out exactly how many patrons who were coming in the door. You knew exactly what they were eating. You could work out how much money you could spend on every single component of that that menu. Um, here is like a hugely different kettle of fish. We're so lucky. We've got you know next door Maryvale being our neighbour at uh, the Ivy Complex with Felix and Ash Street and all their other venues here. Um, you know they, the crowds that they are able to bring like almost immediately back into this precinct with uh with their uh their pr machine that's just constantly churning means we get a huge overflow from them as well as a lot of people who are interested in what we're doing just from the the press that we've had already so the the customer base that we've got which we like again we we sort of had an idea as to what we were going to have before everything shut up shop um has started to trickle back but um, yeah, th this operation is, yeah, it's, there's three different things going at once here, which is, uh, it does make my head spin occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> how, how is the city? You mentioned earlier that when you did get the keys and you 
went to open up, the, the city was a ghost town. What's it like now? Has it picked up? Uh, it, it's definitely getting more and more. There's definitely more and more, you know, people starting to head out. And look, it's, it's still, for us, we're still mapping, like, the demographic of customers that are coming through. Um, Thursday is the new Friday by the looks of things in the city where people are now tagging Friday as a day off and, and spending the, the weekend as a long weekend. Um, so, you know, Monday through to Thursday is uh, is the business crowd. And then, um, yeah, the weekends, Friday, Saturday is um, busy. Like, we, we're allowed to do, obviously, the capacity that we're allowed to do, which we achieve. Um, but the demo, like, I mean, the people that are coming into the city are not per se coming to spend the day in the city, wander around and then go for dinner. They're just coming in to dinner as their reservation and then they're leaving and going home for the most part. So, yeah. What's been the reaction from your customers? Have they been happy to be out or have there been some that are a little nervous? No, I think, well, at the very beginning, I think people were, as far as the guests that have actually dined, everyone is extremely happy to be out. Um, We did have people who probably preempted their uh, opinions and made reservations that cancelled um, and, and a lot of them just gave us notice that they don't feel comfortable and I think that was obviously with the shifting of numbers of the way things were occurring here and abroad um, which is completely fair enough like we completely understand that that's there's no point in coming out and sitting in a space and trying to enjoy dinner if you're not gonna relax and enjoy the experience so at the end of the day, I think we, there was no pressure on our end to try and force people to you know, commit to definitely coming if they'd made a reservation. You have to like everything now. You, the flexibility is on both ends. You know, it's, it's on their end as well as ours. Both you and Federico are pretty extraordinary chefs, but how do you decide what goes on the menu? How do you work together? <laughs> so our wonderful plan before everything turned upside down was look, Lumi as a as a business and as a model, um, I'm well aware of how it operates because that's the same as Oscillate. So our, our business plan with this was that um, we were actually going to split the businesses uh, between us and as far as operations go, um, we would spend time between us at both venues and swap over um, because I still love that platform as well as far as intricate fine dining progression all of those things that are fine dining so for me to just turn it straight off it wasn't something that I was willing to do straight away so this this business became something where we were going to start to share time between the two of them between us um, to which we haven't been able to do because it's just not possible where uh, Lumi's running on a short staff he lost a lot of staff when everyone had to leave um, the city we lost staff we had committed to that they had given us commitment that had to leave and go back overseas back into state and it was just going to be really silly for us to try and run that platform between the two of us because I mean we're both working six days a week as it is at the moment and that's just trying to make sure that these business both of them tick over um, successfully so it was a smarter idea for us to split up right now and just get both of them off the ground with one in charge of both and then when we come back to things being a little bit more um viable as far as the staff and the, the, the patrons as far as numbers we'll, we'll go back to that plan but at the moment i'm fixed in the city and, and federico is fixed at lumi um and we just speak every day he bounces in here when he can um during the week if he can uh and look he always knows if i need if he needs anything i'm always here to help down there but uh this business we've got 
uh, at the moment, the cafe is Monday to Friday. The restaurant is Tuesday to Saturday. So, yeah, it's a six-day operation here. Um, Lumi, they've, they've, they've gone down to four days of, uh, of operation, um, but they do a full day of uh, mise en place the day prior, um, as well as um, doing your weekend Sundays, which is a lunch and dinner platform. So, yeah, it's it's... At the moment, there's a lot of work um, for the pair of us, and the smarter thing to do was just to solely focus individually on each platform until we get everything back up running where it needs to be with enough staff, and then we can uh, start to transition between the two. After so many years running Oscillate and then moving to Leo, are there lessons that you learnt out of the experience of running the business at Oscillate that you've transferred to Leo? Yeah, most certainly. Oscillate was a, a business where that, that was my first my first business uh, as far as a as a restaurant goes and just as a business in general um, and I think that was probably one of the most fortunate things for me to have done before doing this because small business you, you have to be able to have an understanding of everything that's happening in the business I think if you want to be successful and have longevity you need to know how PR works you need to know how you know how you how you work with staff and how you do HR and, and how you deal with you know the customer service component and dealing with all manner of business so for me I was lucky that on a small scale I managed to learn a lot over those 10 years and and now it's just a matter of applying all of those things I've learned but in a larger volume to just a bigger scale and I'd, luckily I'd like to say that we really didn't have very many problems at, for 10 years at Oscillate across the board whether it be customer staffing anything everything always seemed to to work the way we wanted it to so if we just you know we continued to run in a manner and an operation in the same way which we've done here um i can't foresee us coming across any problems how have you felt during this time as as it has it changed you and, and how do you feel about the industry sort of coming out of this yeah look i'm i'm actually i find it quite I like the challenge. I like the fact that we're all doing this at the same time and hopefully we're all working to, to achieve you know, success for the future and, and that comes down to dealing with our supply chains, it comes down to dealing with our customers and, and what, they're, what they're looking for and what they're expecting. You know, everyone's being extremely flexible at the moment, which is great because a lot of businesses have had to change everything that they're doing just to continue to be able to offer a product and, and, and give staff, you know, jobs. So, look, I, as, as sad as it is, the predicament we're all in at the moment, we're all in it together and, you know, I think there are a lot of positives coming out of this. You know, there's people who are thinking differently about, about the way that they do things, about the way they treat their products, about the way they treat their, their operations. Um, and, yeah, look, I think there are a lot of good lessons to be learned from having to stop and, and check everything and start again. So, um, oh look, I'm excited. I think we're lucky. We didn't start a business and then have to close it. You know, we, we, we were, unfortunately, we lost all of our internal hype that we'd sort of tried to keep the boiling down low so that not everybody knew what was going on because um, we were building up to a really big sort of opening platform and, and we lost that, which is like, but that's nothing compared to what some people have lost. So, look, I'm, I'm very fortunate that we're able to continue and every day come in and try and chip away at something else in the business and try and, you know, build and build and build because you know, that's, that's, that's where success comes from, is from 
you know, going back in every day, looking at what you're doing, making sure you're doing it right, and then if you're not, changing it and then moving forward. Leo is such a big detour from Oscillate from a culinary sense, and it's uh, warming up now and it's spring, and I know, having had many conversations with you over the years, how excited you get over particular ingredients when it when they do come into season. What, what are you enjoying cooking right at the moment? Oh, do you know, you know, the one part that's really starting to, has hurt me from day one here is I spent a lot, a lot of time in 10 years dealing with all the growers and the markets and, and getting like really involved in understanding what those guys do. And right now, because of this, it's, it's, it's a no-go zone in the markets at the moment. It's fairly tight to get in and, and really it's not a platform they want people like me running in and out of every other day. Um, the growers that we use, a lot of them didn't seed for the season coming forward, or if they did, they they changed what they were planning to do, just because of the fact that they know that there's a possibility that they won't be able to have uh, people purchasing their produce. So um, one thing I've really struggled with here is the fact that I'm relying on the contacts that I have there and and getting people to to come and pick up and distribute for us. And, yeah, it's, it's... it's everything's changed obviously like we all know that um you know like but from an operational perspective i mean we still need to be smart about implementing our dna on what we do so we're very aware of that and because people's expectations are going to be um from dining experiences in the past um and look it's, it's that's what we wanted to do anyway we just needed to think exactly how we could continue with those things and that mindset of what we were doing before and just put that fingerprint somewhere in in the food product we're doing without bastardizing anything you know we're not here to we're not here to take the piss out of out of any of the traditional components of like italian dining um and my training i was trained italian as an apprentice um, for four and a half years so in a very successful business um so i have a very good understanding um and now it's just about working out how we implement all of that knowledge we've built up over time and the access to all these things that we've been using for so many years and without, like I said, bastardising anything, you know, just working out how we can implement them in to the menu as such. And some things you don't, you wouldn't even know they're there. Like we do some things in the kitchen that we we do just because it makes us feel happy we're doing it. And we don't necessarily need the guests to know what it is, let alone have to hear the story of why we're doing it. But it's it's sometimes we do it and it's, it's a nice way to put our menu together. But um, look, spring is, obviously the seasons are changing and... Uh, yeah, talking to the the growers over the last couple of weeks, you know, with berries and things on their way, and and all these sorts of bits and pieces. So hopefully, there's there's still um, hopefully there's still some of the the people that we've used for such a long period of time who are, albeit produce smaller volumes, still try and achieve you know the, the quality products that we've been so used to getting our hands on for so long. As we move out of COVID and all the restrictions are are gone, what are you most looking forward to? A day off. <laughs> I think when, I think when this look, this business. Unfortunately, we don't. We're not. Uh, I mean, we are operational, but we're not. Um, we're not eligible for any of the job keeper components of the business. We haven't been able to have any access to grants. And um, I'm like I said, I'm working six days a week here in the business, and one day a week in front of some paperwork if I can find a couple of hours. Um, I really love to build this team. I really want to add a few more people to this amazing platform because these guys are working so hard um i'd like to be able to build the team i'd like to be able to have a, a, 
a rostering system where people can have time off, they can come in and dine in the business that they work so hard for, and, and yeah, I'd look forward to having a day off myself and uh, getting out there and supporting some of the other businesses here because um, at the moment I don't have time to do that and it'd be nice to, to go and sit in somebody else's business and, and pay a bill. <laughs> well, Carl, mate, it's always good to catch up. You've uh, had an extraordinary uh, year. Uh, keep in touch and uh, we'll talk again soon. I will do. Thanks, mate. Thank you so much for the, uh, for the wonderful conversation. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospital community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.